We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. God, country, Notre Dame, barbecue, uh, and coffee. Keep doing what you're doing, IB. You guys are the best, and I always look forward to your content. It always makes my day to get that notification you were going live. I appreciate that, especially since I believe you, he was the person who said earlier that he's a first responder, uh, which mm. we didn't get to, uh, and we should have, because uh, you know, I have a great deal of respect. As everyone who knows this channel knows, I have a great, great deal of respect for that. Um, so, yes, yeah. Um, Great deal of respect yeah. for what you guys do. Absolutely. 100%. And that's a nice reminder. If you uh, haven't hit that notification bell, you should right now. Yes, there you go. Good answer. Here's one for you, Ryan. In modern football from John A1, in modern football, is it more important for DBs to have recovery speed or length with ability to flip his hips? I would say everything now is becoming – not always, but there's been a big influx of stretching defenses horizontally. So I think the ability to flip hips, the flexibility is something that's huge for me, right? And the length to disrupt passing windows. If you're going against a team that is more of a vertical-based offense and like, hey, recovery speed, we need it, right? Like we need the guys that can, str- that can you know, maintain solid positioning working vertically. But I think in a more horizontal type of game that we're playing today with the Shanahan's and McVeigh's and McDaniel's and all those guys taking over, I would say that I would lean towards the fluidity of hips and length as a little more important than recovery speed. Christopher Crosby asked why oh, we actually answered that one earlier. Let's go Tyler Almani. Which version of DJ Uyunglele shows up in South Bend in November? The 400 plus yard passer that we saw at Notre Dame in 2020 or the 55% completion percentage guy from 2021? I'd say meet us in the middle, right? Yeah, I'd say like neither. I, I, yeah, yeah, neither. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say, you know, maybe we're a 300 yard a game DGU Angola mm-hmm. potentially and a, you know, 60, 62%, you know, passer yeah. type of thing. I, I don't think it's going to be as good as it once. I don't think it was as good as it was against Notre Dame, for instance. And I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as it was last year. I think yeah. a changing of a voice. And a little bit of adversity, I think, might help DJ. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he'll be a better version of himself, but I don't think you're, we're going to expect him to throw for 400 yeah. every game. No. 
Well, and you know, like last two years ago too, there, there wasn't a lot of film on what the offense was going to look like with him. Um, I think last year he was in bad shape. He was really heavy. And I think part of that's because he was, they were going to run him. I think they put him in an offense that he just didn't fit a whole lot, to be honest with you. So I don't think he's going to be that bad, but he was in great shape in the spring and he looked terrible in the spring game. And again, I don't put a lot on spring games, but the reason I bring that up is because we saw a lot of what hurt him in the fall where he was just missing on throws. You're like, dude, how, it's a hitch route. How did you sail that five rows deep into the, to the bleachers? I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's not good. That's, that's a, no. that's concerning for me. Uh, sometimes you don't get that mental part back and, and no matter the, the change in voice doesn't automatically mean you get that confidence back. And that's the question with DJ. If the confidence comes back, you know, he'll, he'll have a good season if yeah. he keeps the job, right? Because there's a, a freshman on the sidelines that I think can run that offense really effectively uh, and Kate Klubnik. So that's going to make it a little bit, a little bit interesting. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Blaine Tiller, if you could add one opponent to the schedule to play every year that isn't USC or Navy, who would it be? Now, before you answer this, I, I think yeah. I want to bring in, because there's somebody else whose opinion I'm very curious to hear on this. Vince is back with us. He's taking a little break. So look, you know he's on vacation. Look how, look how shiny his face is. <laughs> Got um, burnt up. But Blaine asks, Ryan, and I know you got to run, so I'll give you first crack at this one. Sure. Uh, if you could add one opponent to the schedule to play every year that isn't USC or Navy, who would it be? And this we kind of talked about this a little bit, but you they're going to stay independent, but mm-hmm. you could add one opponent that Notre Dame is going to play every year. Who would that opponent be and why? Texas. Texas okay. for me would be that opponent. A, a lot of it is I want Notre Dame to consistently play a, a game in Texas, you know, probably every other year, a home and home. I also just want – I, it's a recruiting application, right? I'm the recruiting guy. So mm-hmm. the Notre Dame is now has four players out of the state of Texas in the class. They have potential to get a fifth. 
being able to go down and beat the team that everyone is assuming is going to be the power moving forward, especially when they have a little momentum with an Arch Manning and Sarkeesian area era. I think that uh, going down to Texas would be a, a nice opportunity for Notre Dame. Vince, before you answer, I got one more I want to add. Ryan, do you have time for one more? Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. This is a good one from Archer, 452, resident Ohio State fan. What is your hottest take on the college football season for up 2022? He has two. Utah goes 12 and one and makes the playoffs, playoff, and Wisconsin struggles to a seven and five record. I don't think the latter's a huge hot take because of they weren't that good last year. Yes. Yeah, uh, although I do saying, think they're going to be better. Last year? They're nine and four. Oh, yeah, nine, nine and four. four. Okay. Yeah, they finished strong okay. before losing to Minnesota, but the Big Ten was ah. down. What are your yeah. two hottest takes for the 2022 football season? Oh man, I'm getting I'm getting sideswiped here. I man. got That's one. one. I'll, I'll right, give one of mine one. while you're yeah. thinking. Uh huh. The Heisman Trophy winner will not be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Hmm. They okay. will both have way too much because that's the assumption, right? Though one of those yeah. two guys, the Heisman yeah. Trophy winner this year will not be someone getting a whole lot of conversation about that because that's how it goes, right? Like after Lamar won it the first year, he could do nothing right the next year, right? Sure. Even though he was probably a better player the next year, uh, you know we, we've seen that before. So uh, that is my first hot take: is the Heisman Trophy winner will not be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. That is that is that is my hot take uh, for this season i heard somebody say yesterday a guy that i listened to said he thinks that the four playoff teams are going to be made up only of sec and big 10 teams that would be a hot take i think it's an incredibly off hot take Oof. yeah georgia bama michigan and ohio state is the four playoff teams. oh nah, it's brutal michigan's gonna take a deep step back and i don't think that's a hot take by the way yeah yeah uh, Yes. My hot take, I would say USC is not going to win 10 games. They're, they're going to win single-digit games. I don't know how hot of a take that is, but I don't see them being as good as everybody thinks, even though the Pac-12 isn't very good. I just don't see them getting mm-hmm. to that level, right? Yeah. Not yet, anyway. And, and again, I, I will also say that I like it when USC is better. It's better mm-hmm. for Notre Dame if USC is mm-hmm. better, okay? But I just don't see that happening. I, I just – I don't. So that that's where I'm at right now with them. And then who he's still thinking, Ryan, have I, you I have thought one. of yours? I have, okay. Go, I have two actually, I'm going to use one off your Heisman take. My Heisman take is that it's going to be a non quarterback this year. Mm. That is Do you have a thought take. in your head of kind of who a you think back. it might be? I, I think it's going to be a running back. Jameer Gibbs is a guy that pops into my head. Cause I think that a lot of people are going to kind of take some. One of my hot of takes is yes. going to could could play into yours. Okay. I think Texas is going to be the best team in the Big 12 this year. That's, That's my hot take. I, and I, I think they're I think people are going to be talking about them in November as a potential playoff team cuz I think they're going to beat uh I think they're I think they're going to lose to Alabama and mm-hmm. I think they're going to run the they're going to get hot kind of I think they're going to beat Oklahoma on a neutral field and I think they're going to get hot. And I I think a lot of it's going to be because Bijan is a monster. Now, yes, sure he, I think he's going to go off. Uh, and now, yes. you know, they'll have Xavier Worthy, and I think Ewers will get some love because of, you know he was overhyped to begin with. But I think Bijan could be that guy uh, mm-hmm. to put up just some big-time numbers that he could jump into that equation. That's one of my hot takes is Texas could be a playoff team this year. I, I really do. I hope not because I, as much as I respect Texas, I don't want to see them in Oklahoma get rewarded for bailing on the Big 12. But sure. I, I think Texas is going to be a lot better if they if they play Alabama tough, mm-hmm. they're going to come out of that game, Vince, a lot like Notre Dame was in 2017 when they lost to Georgia. 
like thinking like, okay, sure. we can play with anybody. If Bama whoops them, then my whole hot take is out the window in week two. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got another one, Vince? I, I'm, I, I want to say something about Clemson because okay. obviously they didn't have a great season last year, but they still won 10 games. And that's that's more of a product of their schedule, I think, than anything else. But they still make it to 10 wins, and maybe they even make it to a playoff. But I just think that they're not they're gonna be a shell of their former selves because I don't think the offense is gonna be able to live up to what the defense is doing. We've seen that a lot locally here for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I see that being the case with Clemson. I just don't think they're gonna be the Clemson of old. And I and I think that's the beginning, I don't want to say of the end, but they're gonna be in a down cycle for a little bit. And yeah. I'm okay with that too. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think Notre Dame's gonna have a part to say in that since they get to play Clemson in November at home. And I think they're going to expose a few things about Clemson. And yeah. that game's going to be super hyped. There's no doubt about it. Both teams are going to have really good records going into it because of the ACC tie-ins. But I just don't see Clemson being that elite of the elite, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, they've won national championships. They belong in Tier 1, like we've talked about. But I just feel like they're hanging on by a thread right yeah. now. Last year kind of gave a little bit of a peek into that, right? And mm-hmm. But they still won 10 games. It's just the beginning of the season didn't go very well for them. I just don't – I don't know. I don't – I don't – I'm yeah. not a believer in Clemson. They have a well, great defense. You you know I've been on this hype train for a couple of years. That, yeah. That, that Clemson – and, Ryan, you and I have talked about it. I know you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler – Trevor Lawrence masked a lot of warts yes. on that program. And I don't I'm, – okay. I'm not incredibly confident. Like, I'm fine hiring Chancey Stuckey. Dabo hired like six of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like guys with like no coaching experience or very little coaching experience, and he handed the keys over to the offense and the defense to some of these guys. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's either going to be a, a phenomenal success or it they're going to be in trouble. No matter yeah, how good the right. front seven is, now it may not mat it may not show to Vince's point in their record because the ACC, right? But I'm going to say this is another hot take I have. Clemson will not be the second best team that are in plays this year, and may not even be third. Ooh, may not even be third. Yeah, interesting. That's, that's that would yeah. be considered a hot take for me if they're not it, even third. It, if your hot take is correct, then they'll definitely be third. Yeah, good point. Because part of it, not possibly not being third, has to do with potential rise of USC. But mm-hmm. anyway, Ryan, what's your final hot take? Final hot take. Then we'll leave everybody with it's a player hot take. Phil Dracovic, first team All ACC this Ooh. year over Tyler Van Dyke. There that's we go. not hot, baby. That's the truth. That's pretty hot. <laughs> pretty hot, it's pretty hot. <laughs> A lot of people would disagree with that, so uh, I think that would make it a hot take because Tyler Van Dyke is the the hot name in the ACC right now, right? Like he's the the potential first round draft pick, and and we had him in our top five. I mean, we had him ranked ahead of Phil Dracovic. Simply because, honestly, Ryan and I, we talked about this. The The reason Phil wasn't as high for us was, number one, uh, the hand injury. How is he going to be coming back from that? Anytime a quarterback hurts his hand, you always wonder, you know, how is it going to be? Does his grip ever come back to the way that it was? The other part is the guy's replacing five offensive linemen, you know, and and, yep. and you got a new offensive coordinator, and Miami does too. But, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of weapons around him. And if they can figure out the offensive line piece, that, that team's going to be really – Really dangerous, in my opinion, this year. And, and who will be second and third? I, I don't know who, but BYU is going to be in that conversation. I've said this before. I think North Carolina is going to be better than people think. Uh, may not Neither of those teams should be good enough to beat Notre Dame. But I don't think Clemson should be either. Uh, BC is another one that's going to be in that conversation. I think BC has a chance to be – I'm a big Jeff Halfley fan. I think he's an excellent football coach. And uh, 
I, I think that's a, but that was a really interesting take by Ryan. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to, I like to go with that there. Yeah. I like that though. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. And so we'll get back to this question for you, Vince, because I wanted to get that one in for Ryan before he had to leave. So I knew I could come back to this. If you could add one opponent to the schedule to play every year that isn't USC or Navy, who would it be? You and I talked a little bit about this before. Yeah, we I have. I want to give Ryan a chance to answer that one, but I wanted to kind of get your, your thoughts on that. Ryan's Texas is actually really, really makes good. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially from a recruiting standpoint, which you would assume he would have since he's our recruiting champion uh, at Irish Breakdown. And so that one makes a lot of sense. You know, I see, I dig the, and it's, they're so neck and neck for me, but I dig the Purdue Michigan state rivalry that Notre Dame has with them. You know, as much as I'm really getting sick and tired of the Notre Dame to the big 10 and all this other stuff, they do have a relationship with a lot of the schools in the big 10. And I get Mm -hmm. that wholeheartedly. It would never be a Michigan. I don't want, I don't need to see them every year. That will Mm -hmm. never, ever be one that I would say. I'm trying to think more outside the box as far as Ryan was thinking, like a Texas or an Oregon or something like that. But none of those really jump out to me. So it would be like a Purdue or a Michigan State. Like those mm-hmm. are the ones that I would like to see. Also because, and this is selfish, I can travel to those games and take in that atmosphere. You know right. what I mean? Where normally I don't travel very far for, for away games, but I do like going on the road. And watching Notre Dame play, it's it's a cool situation. I enjoy it. I like it. So, for all of those reasons, I would say like a Purdue or a Michigan State. Like I yeah. would like to see them on a road. You've been basis, consistent maybe. with the Purdue thing. Yeah, you I, have. You yeah. have. I and I understand it, especially since you're from Indiana. There's even there's even more. Right. Than that, you and know. there's a ton of Purdue fans right. around here. And again, the Michigan State piece. My father-in-law went to Michigan State, so he's a huge fan. And so there's that. So there's definitely some some personal bias there. There's no doubt right. about that. But I like when Notre Dame plays a team where the fans are around here, and you can kind of rub it in, or just as a fun little rivalry, watch the game yeah. together, that kind of stuff. I do enjoy that. Yeah, I, I want to respond to something here from Will Chisanek, and he did it over like four different messages for some reason. <laughs> I think I saw uh, it. He said, I, I disagree, Vince. Everyone yeah. is down on Clemson. They have one down year. Y'all act like they didn't win multiple chips and interrupt the greatest extended college football dynasty in history. They did well, all a that. Lot, a lot of that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Number right. one, y'all act like they didn't win multiple chips. Well, wasn't that long ago, Florida State was one of the more dominant teams in the country in two years. It's cyclical, right? right. Alabama's been the only consistent thing in the last decade. I mean – you know, Auburn won a championship and played for another in four years. Is anybody talking about Auburn right now? I mean, look, right. the reality is, is that the guys that were part of the multiple chips aren't there anymore. And, and, and as we've said, here's the thing is if, if, if you, if we were just reacting to their down year last year, then you'd have a point. It'd be emotional. And, but we predicted their down year last year because we saw what was coming. Right. The team they had in 2018 was not the same team. They've lost their defensive coordinator in 2018. They had Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott both call in plays. They have right. not been the same team since Jeff Scott left from a game plan and scheme right. standpoint. The talent level is not the same. They don't just have a Justin Ross and a T. Higgins they can trot out in the field this year at wide receiver like they've had in the past. They don't. I like Will Shipley a lot. Sure, absolutely. He, he is. I mean, at, at best, he's as good as. Trevor uh, Travis Etienne at best and I think that's questionable but the quarterback is not even close and the reality is is Clemson benefited in 2019 and 2020 from having Trevor Lawrence and we've and this is what we said last year why we predicted they would not be as good 
because tre- they were they were a descending program from before. That's why they got embarrassed by Ohio State in the college football playoffs. Sure. Sean Davis has made this point many times. He's like, if Notre Dame doesn't pee down their leg in the in that ACC title game, it should have been seventeen nothing Notre Dame. I mean, they were moving the ball up and down the field on Clemson. Pick Trevor off. He masked a lot of warts, and and they're just not the same program. So it, it's not like we're saying a team that's loaded with you know, a great defense, but they always had a great defense. The difference is this team right. doesn't play offense that way, and their right. secondary is not as good. They don't have Trevor Lawrence to put the team right. on their back. Look, right. DJ Uyunglele is a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. But if – if and I'm, I'm saying good. I'm not saying great. I'm not saying elite. You know what I mean? He's, he's a good quarterback, but – Number one, I don't believe in Clemson's offensive line. And if right. DJ doesn't have an offensive line, he's in trouble. Like, yeah, he's a gigantic human who doesn't move around very well. Okay. Now, are some guys going to bounce off of him? <laughs> yeah. But he's a sitting duck back there in the pocket. And they mm-hmm. don't have the explosive playmakers on the outside like they've had in the past either. And mm-hmm. so their offense, we've talked about it a million times. Notre Dame has had defenses that are championship caliber defenses right. in the past. They have not had the offenses. Right. You don't have the offense to put points on the board in the playoff. You are not going to win games. Talk to me when this iteration of Clemson puts points on the board in the playoff. I don't see that being the case. Right. Are they going to put points up against ACC teams? And, yeah, they probably and They don't will. have the secondary back then either, Vince. Like right. They don't have there the secondary go. to match the front like they had. In, I mean, in 2018, they had a great defensive line. I mean – Christian Wilkins was a first-round pick. Dexter Lawrence was a first-round pick. Didn't play in the playoff, but he was part of the team that got sure. him there because he was suspended. Uh, uh, Clellan Farrell was a was a, a, a high draft pick. The other defensive lineman, kept Austin Bryant, was a fifth-round draft pick. Three first-round draft picks. But they also had a first-round draft pick at corner in A.J. Terrell. They had a second-round draft pick at, at, at corner in Trayvon Mullen, third-round draft pick in Trayvon Mullen. They don't have that kind of talent this year in the secondary. Right. Right. So no, they're not the same team, and that's the reality. Of it. And and again, if we were just responding to last year, you'd have a point. But again, you're you're responding to last year. We're yeah. not. <laughs> we're 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 saying we knew that was coming. Right. right. We saw exactly. that coming. Predicted it last year. Right. And they haven't done anything to fix it. And unless you are going to say, you know, Wes Goodwin is going to be just as good as of a defensive coordinator as Brent Venables. It's not a given their defense is going to be great. And, and all of us are assuming their defense is going to be phenomenal. And I understand because it's very talented in the front seven. Right, right. But is the defensive coordinator the guy that's going to be the one, you know, that's going to be doing it? I don't know. He's got a lot to prove. Yeah. These guys called one game against Iowa State who sucked. You know, so uh, I'm just I'm just not I'm just no, not there. They got right. they got to prove a lot because, again, we saw this coming, you know. And, again, go look at go look at the game against Ohio State in the playoff two years ago. It was not the same Clemson team. This isn't a down year. Right. This, this is, is a trend. This has been this a pattern. Right. And exactly. I, I know you guys talked – you touched on this because I was listening earlier on the show. Uh, I'm not sold on Brent, Brent Venables as a head coach either. So right. I mean, he was a great yeah. defensive coordinator, but a lot of the stuff that he didn't have to deal with, he will have to deal yeah. with as head coach. I, yeah. I'm nervous for him. But that's my question, Vince, is like – I think a lot of that hire makes a ton of sense. I just don't know sure. if is like is can 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 he turn that off? Right. Can he turn the guy that had to get pulled off from the field every other right. second every from, five seconds? Can he turn that off yeah. as the head coach? Right. That's my big question mark. Yeah. If he can, I actually think he's gonna do well. Okay. I do I think he's got a lot of traits that can work. 
He's a hard worker. He's about discipline, doing things the right way, play hard, competition. He's a good recruiter. It's just you can't be that emotional guy like that Monday to Friday. But then I also would have said the same thing about Kirby. When he, you can't be that crazy guy running up down the sideline and win. But he is, he and is. it works. Yeah, and it is. works. Now he's the highest so, paid college coach right, in the country. Exactly. So. so we'll see. It's a boomer bust move, but I actually am leaning towards. I actually think this is going to work, okay. and, and I, I'm. I'm completely understand why you and Ryan are a little like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I get see. it. Completely get it. I just, a lot in his some, history that worry me. For some reason, and I, here's the thing, he made really good hires. Okay. He made really good hires this that's offseason, good. too. That's good. And that's a very – and he kept some guys at Oklahoma. Kept Bill Bedenball as the offensive right. line coach. Right. Hired Jeff Levy from Ole Miss as the OC. I think he made did some really good things from a putting a coaching staff to, together standpoint that I think is going to help them as well. Fullback dive. Could we have the start of an Ohio State Notre Dame rivalry? Recruiting battles intensifying at least one marquee matchup this year. They're the two Midwest powers. Could this be a platform for Notre Dame to step up? Hundred percent. I mean, I I love it. And and in the past, and we've talked about this before. I I believe on the show it might have been one of our walks mm-hmm. uh, that Ohio State and Notre Dame, when we're talking recruiting, they were not mentioned in the same sentence because Notre Dame wasn't going after the guys that Ohio State was going after when push comes to shove, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe early on they would have the same offers, but if a kid blew up, it was an Ohio State thing. It wasn't a Notre Dame thing. And Notre Dame would mm-hmm. back out and they would do And Okay, fine. Now, if it's a Midwest kid, and even more so than that, it's Ohio State-Notre Dame and it's neck and neck and Notre Dame's actually winning some of those battles. So yeah. that's step number one, right? right? Step number two is being competitive on the field. And we're going to have an opportunity to see that this year coming up. And then when they, when Ohio State comes to Notre Dame as well. So we're going to have, we're going to, that's step two. And so if Notre yeah. Dame can split that series and keep winning all, you know, some of the recruiting battles, that is a rivalry sure. I am on board with. Because right now, as we sit here, Ohio State is the Midwest. They are. Notre Dame mm-hmm. is challenging that. And so if Notre Dame can challenge that and it becomes a rivalry, that's only good for Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, I think, yes. I think it could be a rivalry much like, and even to a greater degree, depending on how things go because of the recruiting overlap. But I think the fact that you throw in the fact that Notre Dame has several Ohio State former players on their staff adds to that early drama that, that helps create the, the rivalry has got to come from somewhere beyond Ab- just you played two games. Right. Absolutely. And that's the point you're talking about, Vince, like the recruiting battles, you're the, you're battling for the Midwestern power type of thing. All that adds to it, not just two games. I think the other thing too is, is I think, I think it's, it's going to be a lot. It could, it could be a lot like what, what happened with Alabama and, and, and Clemson. It wasn't just that Alabama and Clemson were playing each other every year in the playoff. There was a storyline there. Yeah. Clemson's head coach is an Alabama grad, you know, the, the manner in which he took over, never had been a head coach before and all this other kind of stuff. There's great storylines. And to me, that's the other part of this that makes it really interesting is there's some great storylines there. And I think the other thing too, is because there hasn't been a rivalry between the two in the past, it only adds the potential of it becoming one. Yes. Because like, if it like your opinions of Michigan are established, you either think it's a rivalry or you want nothing to do with them. Sure. This Ohio State thing is going to be very interesting. Yes. And um, the manner in which they're uh, – no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. I've been hamming their fans a lot this week, and I don't want to disrespect Archer because okay. he's been great. But a lot of their he's fans awesome. are just just really 
just you know and i get that i i I try to look at it above the whole fan thing because Mm -hmm. you talk about the storylines obviously there's storylines with Notre Dame's coaching staff and the connections to ohio state right Mm -hmm. there's storylines on the ohio state staff that have connections to notre dame so that's a great right spot to be in right right the location is fantastic the recruiting the all of it i i think it has the makings of a really good rivalry to be honest Mm -hmm. with you and i Again, Ohio State has ruled this area both on the field and yeah. off the field for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame hasn't. They've been a secondary figure overall, right? And mm-hmm. so if that becomes a rival, that's good. That's a really, really good thing. Yeah. And then hopefully Notre Dame can supplant Ohio State. And if yeah. not, they're just going to keep button heads, and that's great too. So I- I'm all about it. Not so much so that I want them to be in like the same conference. Sure. Okay? But I would love for them to continue good to answer. each other. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Thank you. Chris Basker, what are your thoughts? Vince, I'm going to kick this to you first because okay. I have a very strong opinion on this, and I'm very curious if you have the same one. What are your thoughts on prevent defenses while playing to maintain the lead when your current defense has you leading in the game? It seems that uh, too often teams get scored on anyway. So, and, and not prevent so much like in the traditional prevent where you got like a bunch of dudes 35 yards off the ball. Right, but more of a we're going to play off. We're going to let it right. kind of let them have their thing. I think that's kind of where he's coming from. What are your thoughts on that, Vince? So I am a big believer in you are who you are, and you should continue to be who you are, and that's how you got to that halftime lead or whatever the success that you're having. That's how you got there, and when you change it up, that's I think when things start to go south for you because now you're mm-hmm. not who you are. Now. I'm not saying that, you know, you blitzed and you had some success and you did, you know, I'm not saying go all out and be crazy. I'm not saying that either. Okay. But there has to be a happy medium to where, and I, I, I know you guys were talking about BK earlier, but the whole, he calls the dogs off completely and it bites him in the butt. Like I'm not about that at all. Like you're still going to play your game. You're still going to play defense so much. So, that I would continue with the same scheme and maybe sub some different guys in mm-hmm. like that kind of a thing, yeah. as opposed to adjusting your scheme and keeping the starters in. I wouldn't do that. So I am, I am all about you keep playing and you keep playing. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the end of it. Um, prevent. I hate prevent. It is not, a, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of prevent in any way, whether it's from a play calling standpoint or having guys back, whatever you play who you are, because that's what mm-hmm. got you there. I, I nailed it. If there's less than two minutes and I'm up two scores, then I'm going to play a prevent because I'm going to make you run six or seven plays to score and run the clock and, and that's all of that stuff. But sure. if there's more, I mean, if there's more time than that, like if there's four minutes left, they can concede depending on their timeouts. If you're playing prevent, they could conceivably because in prevent you're giving them the edges, you're letting the catch and get out of bounds. You know, like I'm not saying, like you said, you don't. I'm not necessarily, hey, I'm bringing all out blitzes where they can catch a quick slant and beat us, right? But right. I'm still playing my defense and. And I think you nailed it, Vince. It's kind of, it reminds me of the scene, or not the scene, but the you ever watch the the it was like the Broncos Packers, like the things they do on NFL network. They're going into the last drive of the game, and the Broncos are up a touchdown, and there's a few minutes left. And there's the conversation between Mike Shanahan and and uh and uh Greg Robinson, the late Greg Robinson, late in the game. And and Greg Robinson's kind of trying to get direction from Coach Han- Coach Shanahan on, you know, what do you want me to call? And Coach Shanahan's like, just just do what you've been doing. He's like, yeah. so Blitz, he goes, just right. do what you've been doing, you know? And I thought that was great. You know, like, 
You, you know, because that's when coaches can panic. Oh, you know, we, we don't want to let Brett Favre get that big play. You know, no, do what got you here. And when and then why did they win that game? On fourth down, they brought a blitz and it, it forced an incomplete pass. That's what got you there. That's why you exactly. were I mean, Steve Atwater sacking him and forcing the fumble early that Tyrone Braxton recovered. It was, you know, getting in his face and getting him off target. Because you remember the first drive of that game. I mean, it was bam, bam, bam. He hits Antonio Freeman over the top for a touchdown. And you're like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they just answered your score with a score. But after that, Greg Roberts's pressure started to really get to Brett Favre, and he made some mistakes, forced some turnovers, and allowed Denver to build up a big lead, which they could hold on to while Terrell was out. You know, but and then that won you the game. So it was do what got you here. The worst is when teams go away from what they're doing when it's a one-score game. Exactly. And and even worse when they do it when it's like seven, eight, nine minutes left, and you're only up two scores. Like it just, I've seen that happen so many times. Time and time like, again, what man. What are you doing? Yeah, that you're not what gonna. You, you don't get points for being the nice guy, number yeah. one. And I know that was always the yeah. case at Notre Dame. And I'm not necessarily talking about Notre Dame. I'm talking about in general. Mm-hmm. You got to win the game. The, the yeah. first, your first priority is to win the game, right. and their it, job to stop you. Right, and you don't you have know. to have a heart attack right. doing it. If you're up four touchdowns, okay, you take your foot off the gas. You know, second half of the fourth quarter, or whatever. I get all of that. I have no problem with that. But like, yeah, if it's a two score game, one score, no, you keep playing. You keep mm-hmm. playing, man. Yep. And there's things you can do offensively too, by the way, that can run the clock. And you can, you know, not, not you know, that, not that burn offense, mm-hmm. but like there's certain right. things you can do. But to- my whole thing is keep scoring. If you have yes. a lead and you keep scoring, <laughs> you know, they can't come back. Yes. I've never understood that. I know. It's one of the things I respect about Bobby Bowden back in the day. He's like, we're going to play for 60 minutes. And yeah. it's your job. It's not my you don't job. don't like it, stop it. Right, exactly. I'm exactly. with you. I, I, believe me, and I've been on the on the, on the the bad end of a beatdown, okay? Yeah. It stinks. But yeah. you respect it to a degree as long as they're not doing it in a blatantly right. bad way. There's a right and a wrong yeah. way for Absolutely. them to do it, right? You run a reverse throwback. I was like, right. okay, dude, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Luke Breeding, will it be hard to land a quarterback at 23 knowing C.J. Carr is already committed? No, I don't think so. I don't think C.J. Carr is a detriment. I think just getting in on late on kids. Look, any quarterback that you would want is going to be a competitor. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. And, and if he wants to be a champion, he's going to go to a place where he can compete for championships. And every place he's going to compete for championships either has a quarterback that's going to be like C.J. Carr in front of him yeah. or one coming behind him. Right. So I, I don't think it'll be. I think the timing of when they got involved in other quarterbacks is going to be a bigger detriment than absolutely what's in front of or coming behind any of those quarterbacks. Like absolutely. if Austin Novasad or Kenny Minchie were concerned about CJ Carr, I don't want them. Right. As long as their concern is, hey, coach, am I going to get an honest opportunity? Like that's different. If you know CJ Carr is coming and hey, look, coach, I know you love CJ. He's your guy. Am I going to get a legitimate shot to, to battle? Or is this just more of a you're bringing me in for depth? That's a very fair question that's that any quarterback should question. ask. Absolutely. And I, you know like, what? Dude, I would be worried if the kid didn't ask that question. Correct. correct. I would be. Yeah. Or his dad. Yeah. But but Whatever. as long yeah. as, as you know, and if you're on, hey, look, yes, we love CJ. That's why we got him. But we're not going to waste a scholarship on a kid just to come in and right. hold a clipboard. Well, you know, there's other things we can do. We need to bring in a quarterback that we think can compete for championships. And if you're getting a scholarship offer at Notre Dame, it's because we think you can do that. Yes. And if he believes that answer, and I believe that would be true, that's that's what I've been told as to why Notre Dame is going after Austin Novasad and Kenny Minchie is for those right. reasons right there. They think those kids can flat out win. Um, you know, you well, all you got to get- do is show them, like, hey, look, this is the list of kids in your class and the 23 right. class that we've offered scholarships right. to. 
we're not just throwing out scholarships right. to guys. You know, right. we're, we're throwing out scholarships to Correct. dudes. And you're and on that list. You're going to be playing with dudes. And right. that's why we're recruiting. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No, no doubt about it. Absolutely. We got a super chat down here from Mark Stewart that I wanted to bring up here. Uh, Mark says, Brian, would you be okay with a Notre Dame player getting an NIL deal over $5 million? But of course, not as a recruiting enticement, but as a result of popularity. Here, here's the only th- here's the only no problem with that mark in theory here would be my only thing i truly believe that the nil stuff should be genuinely about your image and likeness resulting in you getting certain opportunities a clothing line like um a, a spokesman deal something like that i'd have no problem with it the only the only concern I would have is if you're just handing out money to a kid to keep him there so he doesn't transfer somewhere else or something like right. that. The only other question concern I would have, Mark, that would make me nervous is what are the time commitments of that $5 million deal? That'd mm-hmm. be my only other concern is like, okay, a company's paying you $5 million. There's, there, you know, and it's not an enticement. They're expecting something or should expect something. That's what NIL is supposed to be about. Right. You know, is this a thing where you're, you're flying all over for speaking engagements? Because then that's taken away from your preparation. It's taken away from your academics. Right. All that type of stuff. But as long as there's not something like that, no, I got no problem with that. I mean, if, if someone's willing to, if some, if a company views a player at Notre Dame as me paying him $5 million is going to result in my business benefiting from it. Okay. Right. As long, like I said, my only caveats are I don't want those deals to interfere with your ability to prepare to be the best football player you can be and to be able to get you the education that you need to get. Right. Because, well, he got $5 million. $5 million, especially nowadays, doesn't go all that far, if we're going to be completely honest with you. Okay. Government's taking over half of it. Okay. If we're going to be honest about it. And all the hangers on and all that kind of stuff. It's why we see kids go broke. Yeah, you're right. That education is going to help you take that five million and turn it into 20 at Notre Dame. That So it does still matter. Uh, so, Mark, as long as that stuff is still going on, I don't have a problem with that. Right, I, me neither. I, I, like people say, oh, there should be a salary cap. There should only be a salary cap if the schools are the ones paying for this stuff. As long like As long as you remove this from the enticement part of recruiting, I don't have any problem with what kids make. None. As long as it's a genuine NIL deal. Right. You know, and yeah. And as a coach, it doesn't interfere with what we're doing as a program. Exactly. It's not going to take him away from practice. Exactly. And it's not going to do, you know, take him away from his studies because guess right. what? You are at Notre Dame and that right. is an important piece of this whole thing. So yeah. yeah, as long as it doesn't take away from everything else, because there are a lot of other hours in the day, you only get 20 hours for football and you get, you know, you have to right. allocate whatever I you mean, need for school. But the, like, Yeah. Since the vast majority of players at any school are not worth five hundred five million dollars. <laughs> That's to true. A company. They're just That's, they're just not. That's true, right? It's just it's just it's a different animal. They're just not. But if a player like if there's a Brady Quinn that comes along, like if Rocket Ismail was playing in today's era with all the marketing opportunities he would have, oh sure, I would say the only thing I would say, Mark, is I think the options of getting a five would more likely be like he'd get three or four deals that would equal five million as opposed to one yeah i think that one deal for five million would make me a little bit more nervous because i feel like it's not done for the right reasons but the total number being five million more than five million i don't care about that i mean because again brady quinn would have had crazy marketing deals during this time rocket ismail if if nil was like if he was playing now and he was the same guy and the same name and all that 
And he'd be getting crazy NIL deals. He'd have a rocket, you know, grant clothing line. He'd be on the side of like Jeff Bezos' yeah. rocket. I mean, like, some <laughs> some company would have to be smart enough to make a shoe for him. Yeah, you know what I mean, like a rocket shoe. I would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I was like Nike or Reebok or whoever whoever was with Notre Dame, hey, we we, we got your deal with you, but we'd like to do some little something extra with Rocket to yeah. make a shoe that's the Rocket shoe that we're gonna sell. Hey, go for it. Right. So if there's something like that, I got no problem. Look, I've said this before. I'm all about NIL. I hate NIL because of the way it's being used to entice high school kids. Okay. But I like I made I'm this comment you. when Justin Ross got hurt. I said, that's exactly why I'm a proponent of NIL. Because that kid made Clemson money. He was a part of something special, but NIL wasn't there for him. And then he gets the injury, the injuries, and he's never going to make – he's never going to value – professionally the way he could have because of an injury he sustained playing for you mm -hmm. that bothers me yeah right so I, I if if the nil was around for justin ross he's getting his and he's going to be okay now is he going to make the money he could have made no but he's still going to be okay he's going to have a degree from clemson he's going to have million dollars that he can use to go start sure. up some company to do something that he can then go do something with his life because he got an education uh, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of NIL. I, I mean, Vince, for years I've said, if you're selling a kid's jersey, he should get a cut of that. Yeah, no question. I've said that for years. I mean, you're especially when you look at these jerseys are like two hundred freaking dollars or one hundred fifty dollars, oh, and it's like, you know, you're selling it because people like that player. Right. That's different than saying that kid deserves a salary because he's, you know, entitled to it because he plays college right. football. That's a different animal. Uh, NIL, if done correctly, is something that I fully support. If done correctly, and I don't, I'm not someone who believes there should be caps on it either. I'm not, because right. to me, like, I'm a very much a capitalist. I'm not a corporatist, but I'm a capitalist in the traditional sense. And I don't think you should put caps on something that if a company's willing to pay a kid this much money and the market value is that that's what the going rate is for that kind of player. Good on you, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Good on you. Um, I just don't like it that it's being used to buy players. I, I I really dislike that. I really dislike that. Alan Watson says, "Can Notre Dame tell a player they can't take a certain NIL deal?" I don't believe so. Yeah, I mean, they can they can advise them. it. Hey, look, right. man, you don't really want to sign with that company. That's like really against, you know, what we do. It's going to make sure. you look bad, you know. And I don't even want to like name the companies that could possibly be, but there are some. There sure. are definitely some. Uh, you know, or I'm like, Hey man, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get into that. Um, there might be certain things that they may say, Hey, you, you can't get into that because the state we live in, like, you know, there's some States where marijuana is still illegal. If you're an athlete in that state, you don't want to be doing like out of state marijuana commercials. Right. I mean, sure. I, we're using some common sense. Like, dude, that's, that's a bad look on you and us. Uh, you know, there's certain things like, you know, I'm sure that there's certain laws that, Hey, you're 19, you can't be a spokesman for Budweiser, that's yeah, against right. the law, right? You know, right. Something like that, but I don't, I don't think that they can just flat out say no, you can't do that. I mean, they could say, hey, if you do that, you're not going to play for us. That's fine, but they still, he, they're still not preventing him from taking the NIL deal, right? So, uh, very, very good question. Very good question. Let's see here. Get to some more, uh, some that are kind of follow ups. Uh, I want to respond to this from Michael. Brian and Ryan, happy Friday, free for all. And Vince, are you either are either of you hearing anything in regards to Austin Osbury possibly transferring to Notre Dame from Auburn if Jaden chooses the Irish? Thanks for any insight. I have a feeling that this started because of a comment that we made. Ooh. And 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 I knew it was going to happen when I said it, but it just 
sadly, it's the way that it is. We said, I said in our show about a week ago, I think, I would, I would like it if this happened. I would be okay if this happened. We did not say it's going to happen, that we've heard it's going to happen, that there's rumors. That, well, I just said I, w- I would be cool with it if he wanted to come. So as far as I know, there are no, um, there are no legitimate rumors of Austin Osbury transferring to Notre right. Dame. Am I saying it'll never happen? No, I'm not saying that because I, I, I don't. I haven't been told that either. It's it's never been part of the conversation with Jaden Osbury. Because here's the deal: Marcus Freeman had a chance to take Austin Osbury last year, and he decided not to. Yeah, good point. You know, so you know, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to use this recruitment now. If 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 they've changed their mind since then, if the scholarship numbers have worked out where they could maybe take Austin next year, I'd be cool with that. But I don't know any rumors of that, and that's why I hate saying things like. I give my opinion on something, and the next thing you know, it turns into a rumor that so and so said such and such. And well, and just- it's also, and we, I just want to reiterate, and this has nothing to do with Austin specifically or Auburn for that matter, but it's still very difficult to get into Notre Dame as an undergrad transfer. Like that, that's still a thing, you know, and mm-hmm. he is gone, and I'm not gone. He is an undergrad. He's not at Notre Dame. So that'd be a, it would be a difficult transfer. Now, He's only been there for a year, so he's right. probably done a lot of the one hundred and one type it'll, stuff. And it'll be much easier for a freshman right. transfer, right? Much but easier, absolutely, because he hasn't gotten into a. a There's track not a single or... dean that needs to pass no. off on that, right? right. I mean, that's right. the reality of it. It would right. be much easier for a freshman to transfer, as long as because see, if you transfer as a freshman, it's going to be as much, if not more, about your high school transcript as it's going to be about good your point. college transcript. Yeah, good point. All right, Irish Okie. Against the Ohio State defense, is there a particular area of the field you think the Notre Dame pass offense should especially attack? Deep middle, sidelines, over the middle, flats, et cetera. Well, I think part of it depends on on what what Ohio State is doing schematically. I think based on the Oklahoma State team, I would be tacking the seams. Now, not just with seams, but seams obviously are part of it. So seam routes are part of it. But I'm talking about attacking the seams even with like there's – horizontal stretch which is Crossers. four verts but also doing it with like you know that but also vince the vertical uh stretch stuff where it's like you know deep end post i want to isolate that safety right put those safeties in bind because the way that that make that Knowles like to use his safeties and run support i would i would look for ways to attack that and that's what notre dame did last year yeah you know attack them i mean you got the Lorenzo Styles post route for a touchdown. Michael Mayer on the crossers that you were referring to. Can I also say attacking the middle with if, the the slip out? If yeah. you're a member of the message board, you put up some good stuff that some I would good say video that to watch. people need yeah. to go watch, and it will explain everything that Brian just said. Yeah. You will you you will understand. I, that's all I'll say. It, yeah. It's really really i spent too much time reading <laughs> through that on my vacation well it's than probably I a good it's probably a good thing because you had something to do yeah. so there there you go yeah there you go uh rob lobo with coach tom reese work with the rest of the offensive staff to come up with game plans uh who will take over coach mcnulty's role who seemed to be tommy's right hand man a couple things on that i want to work backwards uh tommy reese had a very good relationship with john mcnulty and and lance taylor mm-hmm uh, it's from my conversations with the people, Tommy also had a respect for coach Alexander and coach Quinn as people. He was not working just with John McNulty. I think, again, I think that was another sort of media creation because of mm-hmm. their past relationship. Uh, Tommy understands that he has to work with all the coaches, which is why he pushed so hard to bring Harry. He stand back, why he pushed so hard to get Chancey Stuckey over more accomplished uh, receiver coaches. 
you know, why he why he went for Dylan McCullough. And then, of course, Jared Parker, someone that was more of Marcus Freeman higher than Tommy Reese. Right. But everything I've heard is that relationship is is budding and growing. So uh, if Tommy Reese is a smart coach, and I think that he is, he understands uh, two minds are better than one, three are better than one, three are better than two, four are better than three, right. and five are better than four. I would expect him to to go into to that. I mean, Vince, anything you want to add? No, to I that? agree with that completely. It wasn't a two man show. I mean, right. there there was there were more minds, and and yeah, there, it wasn't a two man show. That's yep. what I'll say. Okay, Jared Rhodes asked this, Brian. With you growing up in Ohio, how did Notre Dame become <laughs> your team? Good question. I'll answer it somewhat briefly because I've I've answered this before. This is what I love when we you always got new people joining. Yeah. So, and I think Jared's one of our, our new ones. Basically, it came down to my dad, Jared, and and with the exception of my favorite NFL team, all my favorite teams are the same teams that my dad had growing up. So, you know, my dad was a Cincinnati Reds fan, live in Ohio, I'm a Reds fan. My dad was a Boston Celtics fan, I became a Boston Celtics fan. Um, The only difference is Notre Dame, I mean, uh, the Denver Broncos. They were Redskins fans, I became a Broncos fan because of John Elway. But so my dad liked the Notre Dame. He didn't like Notre Dame as much as I did. But essentially what happened was, is my dad grew up in the East Coast in Norfolk, Virginia, at a time when there wasn't a lot of college football in the ACC. It was a basketball conference, even more so then than it is the last 20 years. But every Sunday he would listen to the Lindsey Nelson replays on the TV. And so he just kind of became a big Notre Dame fan. And kind of like as a kid, he grew up kind of watching the Yankees as a kid for the same reason. That was what was on TV in Norfolk, Virginia. And so he was kind of a Notre Dame, he was a Notre Dame fan. He was more of an NFL guy than a college guy, but I liked the Notre Dame because my dad liked the Notre Dame. Well, when I was 10, Notre Dame won a championship and I watched a lot of it. I, mean, I was a fan, but during that, watching that team that year and all the, I mean, from the opener against Michigan, which was like two top five, like two highly ranked teams to Miami, you know, to, to, to USC one verse two at the end of the year, I was hooked, man. I mean, I was completely hooked. And, and so that's kind of how I became. So that really solidified it to where I became an even bigger Notre Dame fan than my dad. But it was my dad kind of liking Notre Dame and introducing me to Notre Dame and protecting me from the insanity of the Ohio State fans that helped me become a Notre Dame fan. So that would be my answer. So, and Vince, you want to, you're, you're just, it's I mean, you're location, just location, location yeah. for me. There's no, no, no question about that. Yeah. Here's an interesting one, uh, Vince. And this one was one that Ryan uh, would like to see Ryan's thoughts too. If both Foskey and Keon, Isaiah Foskey and Keon Keeley reach their potential, Man. who's the better draft prospect? I'm actually going to take uh, text this question to Ryan. Man, that's so, tough though, because we've seen more of Foskey at the college level. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to see that he's, he's hunting right down to his potential, right? I mean, at least at Notre Dame. Now I still mm-hmm. think that there's another level he could get to in the NFL, but I mean, it, it's hard to say for me from a Keon Keeley standpoint because I, you know, I've seen his highlight films and that kind of thing. So that's I, I just need to see him grow and develop because a yeah. lot of things can change from being a senior in high school, junior in high school, to being a senior in college or a yeah. third, you know, third year player in college. So that's really tough for me to answer. I mean, the easy answer for me right now would be Foskey because he's already yeah. kind of achieved a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But Keon Keeley could be really, really good. I'm going to say, so if we're just talking about potential, right, which kind of eliminates what we've seen from that, your stance is totally yeah. fine, Vince. I'm just, I'm just going to focus on this part. Potential-wise, it's easy. It's Keon Keeley. I think if Isaiah Foskey reaches his full potential this year, he's a top 15 to 20 draft pick. No doubt about it. He is a beast. 
if Keon Keeler reaches his full potential at Notre Dame, he's a top five draft pick. I mean, I think he's that good. I think okay. he's that explosive, that athletic. He's longer than Isaiah. He's more explosive than Isaiah. Uh, I think he's even more dynamic athletically than Isaiah. Isaiah's stronger and bigger and will always be thicker and stronger. Right. Uh, but I, I, when I look at Keon Keeley, honestly, this is going to sound nuts. And please, you know, uh, he, to me, I look, I, I think, I think more Will Anderson than I think Isaiah Foskey when I think of Keon Keeley from a dominant standpoint, you know, and, and, and I think he could do for Notre Dame what Will Anderson has done for Alabama, meaning just like monster numbers, like just wow. like, oh my gosh, that guy's a monster. I think he could be that kind of player. I, I really do. I really do. Okay. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Here's an interesting one. Uh, it's I love the name since it was like two questions after we were asked yeah. like how I became their name fans. I love right. it. Domer since birth. Gents, who will win? Whose win last year did more for their program for their future? So looking forward, Oklahoma State or Cincinnati? Ooh. For me, it's Cincinnati. For me, it's Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, because I think Oklahoma State's always going to be somewhat limited as a program because <laughs> they're going to be number two in their state and all that kind of stuff. And they just kind of are who they are. Cincinnati has been trying to make a move for a power five for years. They used to be in one. People forget they were in one yeah. of the power six conferences when the Big East was a thing. And then they got booted out and they've been kind of looking for a path back. And I think the, the win over Notre Dame boosted them perception wise. And then also boosted them into the playoff. And we saw the year before Cincinnati going undefeated does not guarantee them a playoff spot. We saw right. that in 2020. They went undefeated and still didn't make a, a, a sure. playoff spot. They needed that marquee yeah. win, which they got yeah. last year, no yeah. doubt. But yeah, I, uh, right. I agree with you. And that was not that they wouldn't have been asked to be in the Big 12, right, without the season that they had last year. But it certainly didn't hurt them any you know what I mean like that was that was big and that they showed that they could play with the big boys and they're going to be able to use that playoff run for years in recruiting they and will. it's already paying off absolutely I mean, you're, they got they beat Illinois from Malik Elzey mm-hmm. Michigan tried to get involved with Malik Elzey didn't work and look He's, the, the yeah. bottom line is Oklahoma State didn't go to the playoff right I mean they they won a Fiesta Bowl that's right. great Notre Dame clearly sure. hasn't done that in a while but I, I think Cincinnati was a huge boost. It was a yeah. absolutely huge boost for them. I mean, yep. see how well they traveled to Notre Dame, for goodness sakes. I mean, they're, they're, things are on the uptick for Cincinnati, which is fantastic for them. Here's a cool, here's a good one for you, Vince. DD Boy, I'm curious your thoughts on Marcus Freeman changing up the pregame routine to include pregame mass on Saturday. Brian Kelly was against this and felt it was bad for the players. Doesn't move the needle either way. I don't know that Brian – I don't – I don't know – I don't – I never heard Brian Kelly say it was bad for the players. I never heard right. that. I'm not saying he didn't say that. I just, I, I mean, but I, you know, I've been tuning right. Brian Kelly out for a long time. If he thought that, that was stupid. Yes, honestly, I, I think, I think pregame mass. And again, I'm not Catholic, but like when I, when I'm at a like, okay, when when we were at Lucimoji's funeral, it was a Catholic funeral. 
I was still able to, even though I'm not Catholic in the rituals and all that, I was still able to spend a lot of time in prayer in my way. And in a pregame mass, you know, yeah, it's going to be a Catholic proceeding, but I'm still going to be someone who's going to be able to use that ritual to get focused, to get my mind off football to a degree, you know, to spend time in prayer. I think the, it's, it's a unity thing. It's just you, all those type of things. And so I, I think it's good. And then you go right from there to the stadium. So it's like that mm-hmm. last minute of get your mind right. Yep. Get, you know, get, get focused, Absolutely. spend time in prayer, lift up whatever you need to lift up. And when you walk out of there, it's, it's time to go. Yes. And I think that's a good, it's thing. a completely different vibe than what they had been doing is just from walking from the goo. football facility to yeah. the state like that. I don't know. That doesn't do anything for me. I I'm with you hundred percent. Now I went to Catholic school growing up. We always had mass before mm-hmm. games, before we got on a bus to go to an away game or before we had a home game, we had mass in the cafeteria, right. you know, and it was the, the speedy 25 minute version mass, but it was an opportunity. Okay. Hey man, it's game day. Like that was part of the ritual of game day. And you're right. Not everybody on our team was Catholic, you know, and, but it gave you an opportunity to just kind of settle your mind, block out everything else that was going on. And it starts that sooner as opposed to trying to do that in the football facility and then walking over to the stadium. It's just different, man. And I, I fully, fully, fully appreciate the fact that Marcus Freeman wanted to change it back up to the way that it was, mm-hmm. because I think it allows the players to just really lock in. I really do. And I, I think it's great. Yeah, I was upset when they changed it. I don't know the reasoning behind it either. Um, I assume the head coach had something to do with it. But why would you change a tradition like that? That is beyond me. I agree. Because you don't respect the traditions. No, there's that. You view them as a stumbling block. Yeah. So, Vince, we have a World World War II question. Oh, my Irish for life. Gracious. Okay. Love this. If Japan had followed their original plan, the declaration of war delivered on time to launch the third wave attack on Pearl Harbor and Pearl Harbor and destroyed oil tanks, repair facilities, etc., what would have changed in World War II? So my first stance is obviously so what he's referring to is um, Japan was going to send a third wave to completely wipe out the Pearl Harbor. Now right. The first two waves were basically focused primarily on the first one was on kind of battleship row, right? On the ships. And then the second one was airfields. Uh, part, stuff, airfields. Yeah. They didn't really touch the, like he just talked about, like, you know, the oil fields and things like that, which the American carriers would do when they attacked, when they were attacking, you know, the Japanese strongholds and when they kind of countered. Essentially, what would have happened is, is that the, I mean, we've talked about this. There, I people said like there would have been nothing stopping them from attacking the West Coast, and I think they would have gone after the West Coast. I mean, they did attack Alaska as an attempt to divert from Midway, right? You know, they tried to attack the Aleutian Islands, which is connected to Alaska. I think they would have done things to keep us occupied on the West Coast, but I don't think they necessarily had plans for like an invasion of America. I think their whole thing was to keep was to to essentially get us out of the fight before we even got in it so that right. they can then accomplish their you know right. asian pacific you know goals it still of, would have been uh, very difficult to invade right. the west coast of america sure because I mean, remember how small japan is how large right. the united states are right. it's been very very difficult to well, have a sustained invasion yeah. 
And oh. we have we had a far more armed populace even then. Right. I mean, it's much more so now. We had a much more armed populace in China because they did yeah, invade true. and rout China pretty effectively. Yeah, they did. But, You're but right. China was a you know they just they were a different country. They were a, I mean, they were just a different country. Honestly, what would have changed is a lot more people would have died because the end result would have been the same. I mean, no matter what they would have done after that, if they would have completely wiped out Pearl no matter what they would have done, America eventually would have bounced back because yes. of our it would industrial have taken power. Longer. Would have taken I, longer. It would have taken longer. We would have had to kind of uproot them from even more. It would have been much harder to keep them from taking over Australia, which was one of their objectives. Uh, it would have resulted in a lot more casualties on our side and their side and, and, and their unfettered. Cause here's the thing. Once we were able to occupy their attention it was harder for them to just ravage other nations like they had been doing prior to us getting involved. I mean, if you ever study like some of the stuff that the Japanese did in to, in China, it's horrific. Some of the the the, I mean, that was a bad. I mean, those are awful. I mean, I, I know there are allies now and all that, but I mean, some of the stuff that the, like we all talk about what Hitler did, and Hitler was a just barbaric, just a just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. But the Japanese were not. Innocent. Like they weren't, I mean, they were, uh, some of the stuff they did to the Chinese were awful. I mean, just disgusting. And so they needed to be uh, destroyed that, that the, 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 of who they were. And, and we did that, but it would have been much longer, harder, a lot more casualties. But the reality is, is Japan, Japan never had the infrastructure in place to compete with us. That's why they tried to take us out. Right, because they were running low on oil, and the United States was doing things to stop them from getting oil. They were in, we were involved in embargoes and different things to keep it. And the thought was that they could wipe out our Pacific fleet, and we couldn't stop them from doing that. But eventually, they still would have had the same problem. They had mm-hmm. a, like you said, Vince, much smaller population, uh, and and some of their strategies. I mean, the kamikaze stuff pretty early on. Uh, what you know meant you you only have a, f- a certain number of you know, people you can turn to if you look at the population of their country compared to our country. Right, exactly. You know, um, yeah. Kamikaze just, only works for so long. Yeah, I mean, at you, the end, they just didn't have. They had more planes and they had yeah. pilots by the end of the war in a lot right. of instances. You know, and right. but you know, so so midway doesn't happen the way it did. But here's the here, but that would be my thought. But here's the thing that I always go back to: we the carriers weren't there. And I still wonder how quickly, like the carriers would have had to completely retreat if the whole Pacific fleet got wiped out, essentially, right? The the carrier group, because it wasn't just like five carriers out hanging out, right? It was the carriers and the carrier fleets were out. Some of them were out. I, I still wonder how quickly they could have maybe gotten some of the stuff, some of the, because like our whole Navy wasn't in the Pacific. We had a Navy that was fighting in the Atlantic against, you know, Germany as well, or, you know, helping the British as well. So I often wonder how quickly we would have been able to mobilize and with a, for a counterattack, but it still would have been a lot longer. You wouldn't have had Midway be what it was if you completely lose Pearl. I mean, that that's the reality of it. But yeah, there, there was a lot of strategic mistakes, but I mean, there's all types of things you could look at. Like what if Hitler doesn't invade the Soviet Union? Well, the end result would have still been the same, 
but they wouldn't have been dominated as quickly as they were. You know what I mean, man? It's like they were always going to run out of soldiers and run out of sure, oil exactly. and run out of all these other <laughs> things. They couldn't compete with the Soviet Union from a manpower standpoint. Right. Eventually, the Soviet Union would have been able to, you know, do what they what they needed to do and with the British and all that. But if he would have still focused on defeating Britain, because they were getting close and, and, and Britain did so many the British did so many like just her, you know, heroic, tremendous things when they were basically all alone, you know, uh, this little tiny island fighting German Germany all by themselves. You know, uh, once they kind of took their attention off of Britain and focused it also on Germany, on, on Russia, it changed the war, you know, and you wonder how it would have gone. It would have ended the same, but what would have happened in between? Sure. You know, I often wonder that stuff. Same thing with like, you know, what if we didn't figure out that it was midway? What if, what if they, you know, there's so many different things that happen a certain way, you know, like what if the Japanese didn't try to sink Yorktown twice? <laughs> cause that's, you know, cause they had hit Yorktown Notre and America only had three carriers in the midway. Japan had five or four was five. No, it was four. It was a four or five. I forget which it was four. I think we only had three. And so, uh, cause I think Saratoga was, was, had been sank. I think Lexington had been sank, right? It was basically just the Hornet enterprise and, uh, Yorktown. Well, Japan hit Yorktown in the midway battle in one of the early raids cause they were kind of going back and forth. Well, the, the, the emergency crews on the Yorktown got the fires put out so quickly that when they went back and saw Yorktown later, even though it was, it was, it was damaged, it wasn't burning anymore. And so they thought it was a different carrier. So they attacked it again and eventually, you know, essentially sank it. But they thought they took out two carriers and only took out one. What if they knew that that was still the Yorktown? Would they have gone? So I mean, there's just so many things like that that make studying that war and a lot of different wars so fascinating. Yeah. And everybody has different opinions on what would have happened here or there. Some people say they wouldn't have gone to the West Coast. Some people say they definitely would have invaded the West Coast. We don't know because they didn't. Right, but I think that's what makes it really, really fascinating, Vince. Any anything else you? Oh like no, that's about? fantastic. That's all good stuff. So I'm very curious what people, what other people think about that because it's always fun to discuss those. Because I'll say, like, I'm not a historian. I was a history major, but I mean, I, I I could be wrong on some of these things, but that's kind of my my opinion. Here's one, Vince. Back to football. I know this is this is what you want to talk about. Do you guys, Robert Bishop? Do you guys think that the impending Super Conference future of college football will be here to stay, or fizzle out after a decade or so? It's trending to stay. I don't know that it's going to happen overnight like well, there's like people are saying it's going to. I think it's going to happen, Vince. I don't yeah. think it's going to be here to stay. Okay. You think what I mean away. by like because like I mean, look, everything we've never had something that's permanent for the oh, rest of history it's going to be that way. Right. I think it's going to fade because I think I think it's being built on a house of cards. Because I think ESPN doesn't have doesn't actually have the infrastructure anymore to do what they're trying to do. That's why they're trying to get out of their ACC deal because they know they can't afford to pay the ACC and the SEC because they, the streaming service that they've had isn't working. The cutting the cords is not slowing down. And if you look at Disney stock, I think Disney, because that's the parent company, Disney stock has lost so much value in the last year. I'm not trying to get into why. It just is a fact. It's not just because of the economy. There's other reasons that they've, gotten dinged it's about where it was like seven eight years ago meaning if you got into if you bought disney stock seven eight years ago and saw it skyrocket it's now back to where it was slightly less than what it was so they're not the economic power that they were five years ago 
ESPN I'm referring to. They don't right. have the same financial power. And I think Fox, it's almost kind of like, I feel like this is the cold war of football TV and Fox is the United States, which I think is a, is, is in a much better place financially. And ESPN is Soviet Russia, which looks like the strong power, but inside it's actually crumbling. And it wasn't until the U S got into an arms race with them. And, and then Russia realized that they, they, they're not what people think they are. And they felt they collapsed, right? That's what I think is happening with ESPN which is why they want out of the ACC deal because they can't afford to pay both. Yeah, and right. so I think th- I think it's going to happen, but when when things don't go how they think they're going to go with streaming and all this other kind of stuff, I think their business projections, their business models are faulty. I think what we're going to see is it's going to collapse, and we're going to go back to smaller conferences. That's what I think is going to happen. That's that's my that's my stance on that. Vince, what do you think about that? Well, I. I don't think the super conference thing is going to happen as quickly as everybody says that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we have sifted our way through the Notre Dame has to join a conference right now. Like, I think we've gotten through mm-hmm. that part of it, you know, we're on the other side of that, but I don't think it's going to be the super conferences, you know, within the next few years, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Even with UCLA and USC and all that, things can take a little bit longer. And a lot of these teams that are not considered part of the super conferences at the moment aren't going to go just go away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not going to go away silently into the night. There's going to be a fight and there's going to be, it's not just going to happen. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And the college football playoff is going to have a lot to say about that. And right now that's not an issue. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it'll happen eventually. But I think mm-hmm. it's even bigger than so. I think there might be four. I think it might be four big conferences because, again, I don't think you're going to be able to exclude all the teams that you think you're going to be able to exclude. I just don't right. see that being possible. Right. And if somebody tells me again that the ACC or that the SEC and the Big Ten are just going to go off and have their own tournament, and yeah. that's give me a break. Sure, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Okay, sure. so everybody just needs to take a breath. Do I think it's going to last forever? Like forever is a really long yeah. time. Okay, a really long time. When my son was born, I didn't think he'd ever graduate high school. That's like three years away. Like, (laughs) there's a lot of things that are going to happen in the future that could change. So I will not say that it will be here forever, but I do think it will come eventually. But I don't think it's going to be in the manner that everybody thinks it's going to be. Yeah. I'm sorry. There was a great response to our World War II conversation. (laughs) Derek Calmer said, I thought the Germans bombed. That's a great scene from. I, he's like, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The Germans bombed. Just let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Great scene. Very well done, Derek. Very well done. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, get to a few more questions here, and we got to get out of here. We're we're gonna be creeping up on uh, four hours here pretty soon. Uh, and there's a spider crawling on my light over there that I'm gonna have to go kill here in a second. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's kind of creeping me out. We'll get a couple more questions here, Vince. I do want to get to a couple of these super chats before we go. Uh, Cause like I have a light there and like, so I see this like shadow on the light and it's this <laughs> giant spider. It's about to That's be fantastic. assassinated. Uh, Benjamin Karchi, what, what are your top, what are your top Notre Dame program changing moments? How can Marcus Freeman raise the bar of the Notre Dame program? Program changing moments. I mean, I, I was going to ask Brian what the, what the definition of a program changing moment, obviously the pro uh, there was a program changing moment 
when Newt Rockney was hired as head football coach, uh, program changing moment when he built the, the stadium. There's a program changing, you know, all of those, you know, national championships that Notre Dame has had. Honestly, I think Marcus, the hiring of Marcus Freeman is a program changing moment for Notre Dame. Uh, I definitely do believe that. I, you know, specifically to what Marcus Freeman can do to raise the bar, I think he's doing it, to be honest with you. He's there every day with these guys during the summer. He is part of what they're doing. He, they care. He. It's very obvious that he cares, okay? I don't know that that was always the case in the past. The, the guys love Marcus Freeman because he's there. He's present. Before my kids were born, there was a, a moment, and I think this happens in, in a lot of people's lives, where you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be a good dad. You know what I mean? And somebody told me, just be there. Be around. Be present. Okay? That's half the battle of being a good parent. That's half the battle of being a good head coach. It's just being there. Being with the guys. Showing them that you give a crap. And it's not just about your golf game. Yes, that mm-hmm. was pointed. But still, the point is is being there. And I think the hiring of Marcus Freeman was was a game-changing moment, a program-changing moment for Notre Dame, and I think he is currently raising the bar. Now, specifically on the field, he's got to win a playoff game. That's going to raise the bar, right? He's got to win a national championship. That'll raise the bar. The bar has been raised by Brian Kelly to being a double-digit win football team all the time, mm-hmm. right? Now they need to take that next step, and that's winning a playoff game. And then the next step is winning a national championship. Agree. My biggest program changing moment of my of my lifetime was my beat Miami in '88. I think that set Notre Dame on a completely different path. Uh, the rest I'll let Vince have, have handled that. They got two questions I want to get to Vince before we get out of here cool. because these are uh, these these are a couple good ones. Archer, if Notre Dame joined the Big Ten, who would you want your three protected rivalries to be? I think that for me, that's kind of an easier one. Uh, Michigan State and Purdue for sure, and I'd want Penn State to be the other. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. That's yeah. the three teams I'd want to yeah, play. We every talked year. about a rivalry with Ohio State, and I like that rivalry. I do, but I think I would like it more if I didn't have it every year. You know, or if I mean? every happening in the Big Ten title game, not exactly. Yes, I agree right. with that wholeheartedly. It's like the, your favorite candy. You can have it every day, and it's great. But then, you know what? It's even better when you don't have it every day. You know what I mean? It would be that kind of a thing. So I agree with you on what you had for your rivalries. couple more quick ones. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Zielinski, Notre Dame rushes for 300 yards in the opener. What's the final score? Uh, Notre Dame has won by a lot. I, that's would like, I go 41-24. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good win yeah. for Notre Dame. Even though Ohio State won't be on the field and right. Notre Dame will have – put yes and Notre Dame is it I mean Ohio State's a quick strike offense we know this but if Notre Dame rushes for 300 yards it's gonna yeah. be a blowout somebody just said something um uh, no USC I forgot about that. I forgot that USC was in the Big yeah, Ten totally forgot be about completely it. honest with you yeah, yes I would, I would want yes. USC to be a protected rivalry you're absolutely so right I, I would I would probably go USC Penn State Michigan State I'd drop Purdue yeah it'd be it would be USC it would be Michigan State and Purdue for me. Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot the USC was in the Big Ten. It's like it okay. wasn't even on my radar. It took me like five years to stop calling the Pac-12 the Pac-10. Okay? I know, right? It's going to take me a minute. It a took me a while to get used to calling the Pac-10 the Pac-10 because it was the Pac-8. So, yeah. <laughs> right. The yeah. Big 12, I still call the Big 12 sometimes the Big 8. 
Uh, last one here. So uh, I'll, I'll answer this one, uh, Vince. Irish for Life asked Brian, would you offer an ideal to a student to a Notre Dame athlete? Uh, you can just have them on the intro saying IB is the home for Notre Dame coverage. Uh, no, I'll, I'll never offer a deal to a Notre Dame student athlete. I feel like there are certain lines that we shouldn't cross exactly when it comes to the relationship between yourself and a, another player. And that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship. That's totally fine. But right. once you enter into a business relationship, it becomes very challenging to then do your job. What, like, look, let's say I had Tyler Buckner do a thing for us, right? Well, what happens when he doesn't play well? Do I rip him? Right. Is he going to still want to do it with me? What if he does okay? Some people don't think he played well. I defend him because I genuinely think he did play well. Then it comes across like, well, you're just saying that because he works for you. He's your spokesman. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just think there's professional boundaries that I just I, look. If other people want to do it, go for it. That's your business, not mine. I I run Driscoll Publishing, right? And Irish Breakdown is a part of Driscoll Publishing. That's what I'm worried about. Okay. And for us, it's just not something that I would ever be comfortable doing. Right. That's just that's just my. That's just my two cents. I, on that. I think it's so. a lot of sense. You're blurring the lines uh, of credibility in my yeah. opinion. And even if you're doing it on the up and up, the complete up and up and, and you will never talk well about a kid who's on your payroll or wh whatever, you know, it's completely on the up and up. The opinions would be there. You know what I mean? And perception is reality, unfortunately, with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that just by not doing it, you eliminate that. And I think that that's smart. Yeah. Last one. Here we go, Vince. Robert Bishop says, if Marcus Freeman has a decade success with a natty, does he get a big contract from Notre Dame like Kelly got from LSU? Yes. Yeah, he would. <laughs> it, it won't take it. If he gets a natty, it won't take a decade. No. <laughs> you know, no. it won't I take a decade. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Hey, Vince, what, since you've been out all week, I know you've been wanting to read one of these. I'll let you take us home, buddy. Our boy Mace helping us out. Join the message board. Hit the like button. Subscribe. The notification bell. Share this podcast and leave a five-star review. Visit the IB store for some sweet merch like Vince's hat. Vince has and got some merch at the house waiting on him when he, oh. when he can come over and get it later. I wore my IB merch to the beach yesterday. <laughs> I was out there flaunting the logo. It was great. But always go Irish.